We are continuing with our series that we started a few months ago. We're just sort of uh, a little bit, you know, sometimes we're on it and then we take a break and then we come back to it. So this series called Real Life, Real World, Real God. Okay, say it with me. You ready? Real Life, Real, Real There you go. And we've been looking at different letters that are in the New Testament of the Bible. So the part of the Bible that comes after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, there there were letters that were written to the very first churches and the very first Christians. And so we've been looking, just doing a quick overview of some of those letters in the New Testament to say what they were saying to the people then and therefore what they say to us today. And so we've been doing that on and off for a few months. And last week, we started looking at the letter that is called James. And it's written by this apostle named James, and he's writing it to believers, Christians that, that are, were scattered from Jerusalem. They've been persecuted there, and now they're scattered. They're trying to rebuild a life. They're trying to maybe rebuild um, their sense of church community in new places where they are. And he's trying to help them figure out how that looks. And so James, we said last Sunday when we started, we said that James writes his letter from, from a couple of assumptions. James assumes that faith is demonstrated in real life, okay? It's a big part of his letter. If you don't understand that he's got that assumption, you're not going to track very well with James. He assumes that faith is demonstrated in real life, that God is at work in real life, and that God is is at work in all of life. He's relevant to every space in which we spend our lives. So last week, we walked through James chapter 1, and we did it on um, kind of a really low-key level, kind of individual, and we took time, we, we read a, a scripture, talked about it a little bit, and then we just paused on our own and had some silent prayer and just some reflection to God, then we went back and read another scripture and did it again, walking all the way through James chapter 1, and we talked through really practical stuff like wisdom and anger and how you talk, how you use your mouth. And and it ended up looking at this very key idea at the end of James chapter 1. And it says in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, right? Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Verse 26, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. If that doesn't make you go, ouch, you're not paying attention, okay? Worthless is what he says. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So James believes that the worth of our faith, the value of our faith, is demonstrated and proven in real life, okay? That the value, the worth of our faith is not primarily demonstrated in this space on Sunday mornings, Okay. Now, this matters. All of us coming together as followers of Jesus, worshiping God together as part of the church. The church was God's idea, a whole community of faith. That matters. This is important. And, but this is not what proves our faith. Our faith is proven and our faith is demonstrated when we walk out of this space and we're living our real lives out there. Okay? So that's a big part of what, of what James has to say. Our faith is demonstrated in real life stuff, in how we care for people, how we manage our money, how we handle our speech, how we deal with wisdom, all of that kind of thing. And, and James says 
if our faith is not demonstrated in those ways, he goes, well, it's kind of useless. Okay? So, this week, uh, earlier this week, Wednesday night, I met with our Ukraine team. We have a team of nine people that are going to Ukraine in just a few weeks. And, uh, you know, we're going over there on a missions trip and going to help and do some stuff. And so we're pulling the team together and preparing our team to get ready for the trip. And part of what they're going to have to do when we get over there is they're going to have to be able to share their story, their own story of of following Jesus, their story of faith, and share that maybe in, in little home churches where we're going or anything like that. And so we've been coming together as a team and practicing that because you don't want to learn it once you get there. So we practice it here so that we're ready to go. And can I just tell you, every person on this team, as they tell their story of faith or they tell their story of following Jesus, they are telling real life stories. They are talking about faith that is lived out in real life. So for example, one of them talked about in his workplace where he works and it's really, really normal and everybody just loses their temper all the time. And he talked about his faith being lived out in learning how to not lose his temper in a space where that is considered very normal and and dealing with anger in a different way. And somebody else talked about having grown up in a family with an alcoholic father. And so the relationship between father and son is a little bit difficult, a little bit broken. And it's been that way for several generations. And he said, you know, my part of my walking up my faith is going, this is going to change for this generation. I'm going to change this pattern for the kids and the grandkids that are coming after me and, and talking about walking out his faith in that way. Somebody else uh, on the team talked about suffering through an abusive marriage and finding healing coming out the other side and finding a new life as they as they came through. And another one um, was talking about how their career that they've been doing for several years, it's slowly coming to a conclusion, slowly coming to an end. And so they're trying to figure out, I need God. God's wisdom. What am I supposed to do next? What am I going to do after all of this? And for another one, they said, well, you know, I've, I've just had ongoing health struggles for the last 10 years, and it's just a reality that I deal with, and I'm choosing to live with joy anyway and to live life because God is a good God, and I'm going to serve him that way. Can I just tell you, every member of our Ukraine team that's going to Ukraine, they're not, they're not going from some um, sheltered, spiritual, happy bubble Christian place, you know, that's just about Sunday morning where everything's great all the time. That's not what their faith looks like. They're not, they're not coming from a faith that is primarily lived out in this space at this time. They are coming from a place where they are living out their faith in real life, in a real world, serving a real God. That's awesome. That's really good. And so they're putting their faith into practice, which is James's main concern. Now, last week I ended by talking about Inside Out Church. And if you've been here any time at all, you've heard us say that we are an Inside Out Church, and there are three parts to that. Just say it with me. It's on the screen. You can't fail this test, okay? So Inside Out Church, what do we do? We, we do good. We, and we... We reveal Jesus. We do good. We love each other and we reveal Jesus. And we break that down and we say we do good and that tends to be what we do out there in our community and in our world. We do good. We love each other within our church family. We actually work on developing good relationships within our church family. And we believe that when we do those things well, when we're functioning as a healthy church, then we reveal Jesus. People see Jesus and we give opportunities and people have a chance to connect with Jesus. Now, this is this 
just how we describe who we are. And different people respond in different ways. And, and I get all the feedback and get to sort it all through. And so somebody said to me last week, you know, Pastor Patty, that, that inside-out church, do good, love each other, reveal Jesus, that's the best vision I've ever heard in my life. I totally get it. It's amazing. And also last week, somebody said, I'm not sure that we know what it means. And so I get both ends of the spectrum. And so every now and then, even whether it's because people don't understand or because it's people are new, a couple times a year, sometimes we go through and we just, we just talk about what does this mean? And I think that inside out church, do good, love each other, reveal Jesus is really in line with James. And the way that he feels church is supposed to be lived out and our faith is supposed to be lived. In fact, what I would love would be if we could get the apostle James to come and visit here, which probably isn't going to happen. He's a hard guy to get a hold of. That's a joke. Okay. And so it'd be, wouldn't it be great if we could get him to come here? And I think if he can, I would like to be the kind of church where James would come and he would look at all that we're doing and all that we are. And he would high five every one of us and go, yes, you're getting it. Your faith is not worthless. You're actually, it's worth something. You're getting it. Okay. So here's what we're going to do today. Last week we did individual. Today we're doing kind of corporate. And we're going to take a look through James at what James says, at, at what we do, and see how we measure up. We're just going to pull a few pieces out of this letter for James. So James chapter 2, starting at verse 2. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in dressed, who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, But you say to the poor one, oh, just you go stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Okay, let's talk about this. This is James talking about when we treat people, you treat people differently based on how much money they have or based on how much money it looks like they have, because sometimes those are two different things. And it's that whole thing that we talked about last week, where we're living in a world where meaning gets attached to money, uh, value, your personal value, or your identity, or your, your power, or your security gets attached to money, when to God, it's just, it's just a tool. And so he's talking about this, treating people differently based on how much money it looks like they have, because we've attached some kind of meaning. Listen, can I just tell you, okay, can I just tell you, People know if they walk into a space, they know if they don't belong, right? People know. You've all been there. We all know what it's like to walk into a space where you don't, you don't quite fit in, and it's uncomfortable. So years ago, in a church that Jeff and I were at before, uh, we had uh, a time when we had a bunch of youth, a bunch of kids and youth, who, who just as a whole generally had less money and less to work with than, than other kids did in our church. And so our, our group got invited to a conference, a youth conference, to be able to come. And we were a little bit nervous because we knew we're bringing our kids who have a little bit less, and we're bringing them to this setting uh, that's going to be filled with kids who, for the most part, have a little bit more, and we're hoping that our kids will feel like they belong, right? And so we, we brought these kids, and we're like, it's going to be great, it's going to be good. We took them to this, you know, other place where there was this youth conference, and right away, I mean, they stepped in the door, and they just went, <gasps> right? And they knew, we, we don't belong here. One of them actually said, look at everybody's shoes. I know how much those shoes cost. I can't. And one of them just grabbed a leader's arm and said, can I just go home? Can you just take me home? I don't belong here. People know when they don't belong. 
And, and I was so thankful at that conference for a leader that came over, knew our kids and said, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Come sit with me. You belong. It's really good that you're here. And eventually they belonged and they felt. But people understand. They know when they feel like they don't belong somewhere. More recently, a friend of mine uh, visited here at Evangel. And, and when he got here, you know, he just wasn't, he wasn't well. He was probably maybe under influence of something. I don't know. But something, it was showing that he wasn't quite well. And, and, and so when he came and ushers and our security people started coming around and I was going over going, no, no, he's my friend, right? And one of them said to me, Pastor Patty, don't worry about it. I was like this too. I struggled too. And this church helped me. We got this. We'll make sure that he belongs and he's safe and he's welcomed and all of that. Now, listen, we probably don't get it perfect. I wish we did. We probably don't get it perfectly, and there's probably somebody out there or maybe in here who feels that we together have not treated them right. We're trying. We probably don't get it perfectly. But there are things that we do in order to try to make sure that there's no discrimination and there's room for everyone. So normally, if you go down, for example, to the Connect Cafe, you're going to see a jar of buttons there. And we have this button system where each button is worth a dollar. And what it means is, is that if somebody comes in and they go, well, I'd like to actually give something for the next person who wants to have a coffee, they maybe give five bucks to the person behind the cash, and they go, I'd like $5 worth of buttons. Okay. So the person takes the $5, they move the buttons from the unpaid buttons jar to the paid buttons jar, and they're there available when somebody needs it. And then the next person in line comes along and goes, man, I really would like a coffee. I'm just a little short on cash today. No problem. Somebody's paid for these buttons already. They're each worth a dollar. You can use one and you can have a coffee. It's just a little thing we do to make sure that everybody can have coffee in a way that preserves dignity and is just each of us helping out each other and, and blessing each other. So we try to do that. We, I know that for a fact that whenever we have, uh, usually most of our events are free or very, very low cost. But if we have an event where we have to charge a little bit more to cover our costs, guaranteed, somebody's going to come to me or to the person organizing the event and they're going to say, listen, I know not everybody can afford to go to this event. I'd like to sponsor a couple people to go. And they're going to quietly pass some money onto the church, and we're going to find two or three people that we think can't afford to go. We're just going to pass that on so that they can go and they can be part of something. We work really hard to be a place here where you're not discriminated against based on how much money it looks like you may or may not have, okay? Even when it comes to um, how you look, we have a very relaxed dress code or dress style here. You may, you may have noticed that. Different people dress in different ways on Sunday morning, and we want you to know that you belong and you fit in no matter what you wear. So some people, some people here, you love to dress up. You love it. You look fabulous. And it matters to you to dress up when you come on Sunday morning because for you, this is a part of your faith where you are showing respect and you are showing honor to God the King and you are putting on your Sunday best in order to come. And that matters to you and that is great and you belong. And some of you, you just love on Sunday to just dress down. And it matters to you. And you look great too. But it just matters to you to walk into the presence of your Father God. And you don't have to, you don't have to dress up and you don't have to put on a front. This is just authentic and relaxed and resting in God's presence. And can I just tell you, that matters and you also belong. Right? And I love it. Because it means that nobody's going to walk in the front door and instantly go, oh, I don't belong. 
Doesn't matter. They're going to find somebody that looks a little bit like them. We're all just welcomed home here, and we just, we just love each other. Let's look at something else James says. Okay, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Again, if you're not saying, ouch, you're not paying attention, okay? Now, this scripture here that that James is talking about, if we were to look at that today, this is what happens in social media. This is what gets talked out and hashed out in social media. Every time there's some kind of um, a tragedy or a a difficulty of some kind or, or somebody has passed away or there's some kind of disaster and people start posting on social media thoughts and prayers, right? How many have seen that on social media, on Twitter? Just two of you are on social media, okay? Thoughts and prayers, right? And you see, oh, just sending thoughts and prayers to the victims, sending thoughts and prayers to the family, sending thoughts and prayers to the friends. And, and it's, it's sincere, and it matters, and it's, it comes from a good heart because nobody knows what else to do, and it's trying to create a sense of community. But eventually, eventually, somebody pushes back, and they go, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers aren't doing anything, Why don't we actually take some action, stop this from happening again, or do something so that we can help? And so they they tell off the people that are giving thoughts and prayers because they say thoughts and prayers do nothing, and then they all get in a fight about it together, and it doesn't help anything anywhere, okay? James is is not a fan of just thoughts and prayers. Now, listen to me carefully. He does, he is a big fan of prayer, and you're going to see that, okay? We believe in prayer here, Right? We think prayer actually changes things and makes a difference. And James says in, in his letter, if you need prayer, ask for it. If you need wisdom from God, ask for it. So he's a big fan of prayer, but he's also big on actually walking it out. He's big on being the answer to prayer that you're praying if you're able to. So, so we at this church, we do good. We do good. We don't just have thoughts and prayers, okay? So we, we actually do practical good things for our community. So, for example, you heard some of this already from Pastor Rob. We have a Cabot Square outreach where approximately every two weeks we have a team of people. They go out into Cabot Square while we're all here in our service, and they give out hot coffee, and they give out hot soup, and they give out hygiene packs to people that are in need or maybe don't have anywhere to live or just, just need something. And so they do that. We do good. And there's no strings attached, by the way. We, we do a prison outreach ministry where we have a team of people. It's happened for years. And, and they go and they connect with some people that are in prison and, and trying to find God. And they spend time connecting with them when nobody else wants to maybe. And then creating a space so that perhaps once they get out, if they end up in Montreal, maybe there's a church here where they feel like they can reintegrate into society and find their way. We are youth and our young adults at different times through the year. We'll take an evening, and they'll just walk down the street and give things to people in need or reach out, see what kind of action they can take to actually make a difference. Um, We run an EFSL program starting again in a couple of weeks, and you go, well, how is that doing good? Well, because people can't get a job if they can't speak the language. So 
we make it very affordable and provide a space where people can learn either English or French so that they can go out there and they can get a job. Our, our community Thanksgiving dinner has been running for years. Even if we don't promote it, 500 people show up. I don't know how they know, but they do. And we feed them this awesome Thanksgiving dinner, which apparently involves eight kilograms of ketchup. I don't know. But, and, and we have mission support. So we do it around the world too, not just in our own community. So there's a, there's a small group right now, one of our connect groups that's called the Why Not group. Letter Y, and then not K-N-O-T, like tying a knot. And they are crocheting and knitting little hats that our Ukraine team is going to take with us to Ukraine to give to orphans so that kids in Ukraine have warm hats because they have just as cold of winters as we do. So we do good. We support global workers who fight sex trafficking, who provide education for at-risk kids, who provide medical help for people that can't afford it, who look after orphans. And we don't just support them with thoughts and prayers. We take action. We give dollars to help make a difference, and and that's what we do. We do good. Pastor Tim, about once a week, goes down the street. There's an organization in the city that some of you are familiar with, Christian Direction. And then within Christian Direction, there's a, a focused organization called Innovation Youth. And it helps kids that just need a little bit of help, need a little hand along the way. And, and Jenna Smith is the director of it. She's actually visiting with us today. So I'm going to say that's her waving. So just give her a little welcome. Yeah. And, and Pastor Tim goes once a week, and he works with youth at Innovation Youth who are just, for whatever reason, they just can't quite finish high school at the same rate as all other students. And there could be any number of reasons. And so they're in this program that Pastor Tim is part of. As part of his work here, he works there to help make space for them. And, 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 I have some news to tell you, okay? I'm a little bit excited. Turn to the person beside you and go, oh, here she goes. Here she goes. Okay, I'm a little bit excited because I got news for you and it's just become public. Now, Innovation Youth has community gardens at different spaces through the city. And those community gardens serve different purposes, but they help to make sure people in need get enough food to eat. They also provide um, a place where youth can work who need employment skills, and they work there over the summer, they get paid, and they get some employment skills that they can put on their CV. And so it's just this win-win sort of thing all around. Now, a few weeks ago... I told you about the HALO report that we had done here at the church. And in the HALO report, it's telling us about the, what value we give to the community. And it said, you know, Evangel doesn't give a lot to the community in terms of open space. And then they said very kindly and nicely with a little pat on the head, you know, but, you know, it's hard for a downtown church because they don't have space to do anything with open space. And so that's, that's to be expected. They really can't do anything. Now, can I just tell you something? I don't like being told what I can't do. That ticks me off, okay? And so I already knew some of this was happening, but I couldn't tell you, so now I get to tell you. Actually, some funds have been released, some grant money has been released to create a community garden through Innovation Youth on our property. And you go, where? When you walk out the front steps today, look left, and you will see the tiniest little patch of grass in all of downtown Montreal. We're building a community garden there. Yeah. And we're going to do it in partnership with Innovation Youth so that youth who need employment skills can work there and we get to harvest the food and give it to somebody that needs it and we get to do it and and just kind of go, hey, community, we're alive and well. So we do good. 
And James says in verse 26 of that chapter, this is what he says. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So by those words, he says the body, the physical body, your physical body is just a shell. If it doesn't have breath in it, there's no life. And in the same way, he says uh, 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 our faith, a church with faith, there's a shell there. But if it is not filled with good works, it's missing something. So we do good. Now, let's just keep going. What else does James say? James chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above, from God, is first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Okay? Now, you need to track with me here. It's no good to do good if behind the doing good, the attitudes and relationships are completely messed up. It's no good to do good if the attitude and the relationships behind it are messed up. Look at me. I'm just living all righteous. Better than you. Well, that person over there, you know, they worship a little, a little better than this person over here. They don't worship quite the way that we at look at. You know, can you imagine the kind of attitude and the kind of relationship that goes behind? And, uh, well, I'm going to give out food my way. No, I'm going to give it out my way. No, it has to be my way. I can't work like this. And nobody gets any food. There's no good doing good if the attitudes and the relationships behind it are messed up. And too many times in church history, there, there has been times in church history in different churches, not this church. This one's always been perfect. Okay. Other churches. Too many times there's been a history when there's a facade of good, but behind the scenes there's jealousy or selfish ambition or boasting, or lying, or a significant lack of humility, or a lack of gentleness, or a refusal to yield to each other, a lack of mercy, or sincerity, or peace. Can I just tell you, that doesn't reveal Jesus. That doesn't reveal Jesus. That reveals people who are grabbing for power through a position. Or it reveals um, people who are looking for identity, their own identity by getting their way. Or it reveals somebody who's finding their value through devaluing somebody else. Can I just tell you, that is the way the rest of the world works, and it's exhausting. 
that doesn't reveal Jesus. But a church whose, whose wisdom and whose doing good is about peace and about gentleness, about yielding our way sometimes, about serving others and refusing to pursue our own selfish ambition, a church like that reveals Jesus. That's what happens. Now, can I just tell you, that's why I get so excited. When somebody told us a couple weeks ago and we told you, that's why I get so excited when they said, you know, Evangel's getting a reputation. And we said, for what? And they said, for building bridges. You're, you're getting known as somebody who builds bridges and who tries to help other churches or other organizations and work together with people. Did you know that last fall, our lead team just decided uh, to try to be generous and to try to be appreciative of other pastors. And so we, we asked our district office, can you tell us five names of pastors that maybe could use a little bit of encouragement and maybe don't have enough finances to buy books that they need? And so we got the names of five pastors, and we sent each of those pastors, we didn't even know them, just sent them a gift card and a letter of appreciation that said, we just think you're doing a great job, and we wanted to bless you and, and let you know that you're appreciated as a pastor. We just, we just do that. We don't compete in this church with other churches. We lift each other up. That's what we do. Now, somebody goes, Patty, why were you so excited about the collaborative worship night we had last Friday night? I'm so glad you asked because I was some pumped about that collaborative worship night that we had. And here's the reason why. You ready? Because it wasn't ours and it wasn't anyone's. Nobody owned it. Now, there was a facilitator, and he met with me, and he came and talked to me. And when I met with him, I said, I have rarely met somebody with such a a gentle spirit, such a a humble spirit, somebody that is so focused on worshiping God and bringing churches together in unity. He was willing to do all the work without having any credit, without being the headline, without even being the front person leading worship. It wasn't about him. And it wasn't even about his church, the church that he attended. He just happened to have the skills and the connections to put it together. And here's what you don't know. If you were here for that collaborative worship night, nobody got on that team unless their pastor had recommended them. And then the facilitator sat down with each of them and took them for coffee to find out who they were and make sure they're not just an amazing player. They actually have a relationship with Jesus. Because we weren't looking to have the hottest players in town. We were looking for worshipers who could worship Jesus together. Now, did the night go exactly the way it would have went if I had been running it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who cares? Here's the thing I'm excited about. We served it. We hosted it. A bunch of you volunteered to help make it successful. And that meant that over 700 people from seven different churches or more in Montreal got to all come together and just worship Jesus. That's awesome. That is the stuff of the kingdom of God. That is the stuff that reveals Jesus. That's when it is because it's not about us. It's about God. And it, listen, We aren't looking to be the coolest church in town. We are, but no. We're not looking to be the coolest church in town. We're not looking to be the biggest show in town. We don't want the biggest crowd. And in fact, if you have a home church, thanks for visiting today. But we would just encourage you to go back to your home church. I know that change happens sometimes, and that's fine. But we're not trying to get transfer growth here. Because if our church just grows, but at the expense of other churches, that's not kingdom growth. That's just circulation of the saints. 
that's not doing anything good, and it might be selfish ambition at work with us. We try really hard not to do that. We are not about competing to make evangel famous. Evangel is working to make Jesus famous. So we reveal Jesus. Getting kind of worked up here. One more thing from James. Let's look at one more segment. James chapter 5, verse 13. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should totally sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I mean, this is just about the safe space of the church, how it's supposed to be, where we we celebrate together over good stuff. We pray for each other over hard stuff. We share our struggles with each other. We support each other. So every Sunday, we share a good news story with you. We tell you something that's happening. And in between Sundays, different times of the year, we get together in small connect groups where there's time and there's space to, to get together and, and form deeper relationships than we can really do on a Sunday morning. And, and we pray. We pray together. Lots of different settings. Last night, we prayed at a drop-in prayer night. One of our youth put it together, and we were, it was for everybody, but we had a lot of youth and young adults came and just quiet time of prayer. We're going to pray at the end this morning in just a few minutes. Listen, I firmly believe in the power of God's church. A healthy church that is putting its faith into practice, all of us together, we are going to reveal Jesus and we are going to change our world because we are the church. And we are this church, this local church. And we are the only church that is quite this church. In this place, in in this time in history, in this part of Montreal, nobody is exactly the same as we are. And other churches, some churches might put more emphasis on things we put less emphasis on. And other churches might put less emphasis on things we put more emphasis on. And that's fine. I have no problem assuming that God has put different churches with different calls and different styles and different emphases all throughout the city in order to create his kingdom. It's okay that we're not all the same. But we are this church. We are the church, and we are this church. We are evangel. You, we are here, right here on Lambert Claus, because God has put us here. And we are home for you for as long as you're here. Even if you're only here for a short time, welcome home. You're home. You belong. We give ourselves. We give our efforts. We give our finances. We give our time in order to have a reputation as a church that does good. And we, we submit ourselves. We submit our own preferences and our own ambition and our own pride so that we can be known as a church where people love each other. And we turn ourselves inside out, open for anybody to see, so that they can see that we're different than the rest of the world and people can see Jesus. So we call it an inside-out church. 
And we filter just about everything we do through these values of do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. Almost everything we do is filtered through those three things. So we are less likely, for example, we are less likely to put on a big show within our space that is only going to pull in other Christians. We're less likely to do that. We are more likely to take it out into the park even if it is 30 below. We're more likely to do that where we can connect with people and we can connect with neighbors and we're probably going to give away soup while we do that. We are less likely as a church to protest what we don't like and organize um, petitions and marches and that kind of a thing. We're less likely to do that. We're more likely to find what is good and add to it or to fill in gaps in the neighborhood or in the community where we can bring good to something. We're more likely to do that even while we respectfully refuse to compromise on what matters to us. So, so for example, we got some people right now, they're working on something, they're going to launch it in a bit. It's called weekend workshops where maybe three or four times a year on a Saturday, we'll just do a one-off thing that is offered to the community and to our church to just learn a skill, whether it's, I don't know, canning tomatoes or, or something like that, different one each time, just to open it up. There'll be a small fee to cover our costs, but it's not inaccessible. We do good. That is what we are likely to do. We are less likely as a church to make everything we do um, pastor-based or performance-based or platform-based, we are more likely, when we have a prayer meeting, for example, to invite all of you to participate in it and to pray together and pray in a microphone and lead us in prayer. We are more likely to have an Easter presentation like we just did that involves everybody and is a worship event right from the very back all the way to the front. We are more likely to have kids read scripture during worship, just from the middle of the sanctuary, like happened last Sunday morning. We are more likely to talk to each other and say, welcome home. And if you're a newcomer to Canada, we'll probably invite you to a lunch. And if you come on a fifth Sunday, we're going to give you a name tag and tell you to slap it on and walk across the aisle and talk to each other and celebrate baptisms and introduce new members and, and pray for babies and their families because we love each other. It's one of our values. And you go, well, is it working? Well, last Sunday morning, a lady that I didn't know walked up to me. You know what she said? I accepted Jesus today. And she never had before. And she had been coming for a while and checking out different things and trying to find God. And in the end, she said, this is where I belong. And I accepted Jesus today, and then we're going to get baptized on fifth Sunday. We are revealing Jesus. I think there's a good chance that if the Apostle James ever comes here, he's going to walk around and high-five all y'all and say, you're doing it. You got it. Your faith is worth something. So I'm going to ask if you would just stand with me at this moment. And, and there's three things that I want to tell you. Just stand up. And, and first of all, I just want you to look at somebody. If there's anybody near you, just high-five them and go, we're doing it. We're doing it. 
And then what's going to happen is I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray the same prayer that we pray every Sunday where we go, God, we are walking out of here. We're going to go out into the real life, real world. Would you help us to carry a real God out there? And when that's done, there's two things, okay? Number one, there's going to be ministry people here at the front and halfway back. So James said, if you want to receive prayer, ask for it. And so they have anointing oil and there will be ministry team people ready to pray with you if you would like to be prayed for. Also, the other thing that you get to do is walk out of here and go downstairs to the Connect Cafe where we have free coffee and free snacks together. You don't even need a button from the button system. It's just free for everybody today because we wanted to appreciate all of you and especially our volunteers. Does that sound good? Let's pray, shall we? God, at this moment, we say thank you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing And for the things that we haven't even imagined yet that you're going to do. And we are just so grateful and so um, amazed that you work, you use us. You, You invite us to partner with you in all that you're doing. And you welcome us into your home. You welcome us, God, into your family. And you tell us, welcome home. You belong. So, God, at this moment, we're going to walk out of here. And we're going to go to all the things that make up our our real lives. Some of us are going to write exams. Some of us are going to classes. Some of us are going to jobs with coworkers and clients and bosses. Some of us are going to, to, to school or going to families. None of them are perfect. Some of us are going to neighbors that we, don't, we know or we don't know or we get along with or we don't get along. It's all the real life stuff. So God, as we go, into our real world. Would you help us to carry Jesus well? Help us to spread out across this city, carrying the light of Jesus. Would you help us in all those spaces to do good and to love each other and to reveal Jesus to a world that desperately needs him? God, help us to do that and then bring us back safely next week to celebrate again. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen. Amen. God bless you. Come for prayer if you would like. Go to the cafe and get a snack. Say hi to somebody. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.